0: Loving Father in heaven, as we see around about us illness in the passing of loved ones, we come before thee, the God of all comfort, who alone can comfort and strengthen us. And we pray that we would heed to your word, for from it we derive this comfort. From it we recognize that you are the sovereign God who rules over all and we can trust you and we can place our faith in you. So please be with us Lord and speak to us your word and your will for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For this Morning's text, I'd like, with the Lord's help, to turn to the prophet Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, and unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt Go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down and to destroy, and to plow and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou?" And I said, "I see a rod of an almond tree." Then said the Lord unto me, "Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it." And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, "What seest thou?" And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord. And they shall come, and they shall set everyone his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgment against them, touching all their wickedness, Says wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, and against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. I've read the entire chapter and may the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: Let's kneel before the Lord to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this opportunity we have this morning to both gather in thy house and hear thy word. we're so thankful that the veil, as it were, can be pulled back, and we can see into the spiritual realm where we realize that even though things in the kingdom of men may be upside down, confusion and and turmoil and upheaval, yet behind all of this, the Lord God, Jehovah, still sits on his throne and runs all things by the word of his power according to his perfect and holy will. Though men may worship the works of their own hands, the Lord has ordained men, women, to speak the word where he has placed them, that his truth would go out and that hearts would be changed. And so Heavenly Father, even in the middle of this pandemic, in the midst of uh, uncertainty and trepidation for the future, We're thankful to know that thy word continues to go forth, that the word of the Lord continues to be spoken and preached, and that hearts continue to be touched by thee. We pray that even this morning hour, there would be some here who do not know thee yet, that would realize, that would have that that veil pulled away, that they would be able to see that there is a higher power behind all of this. And that is so important now, while there is time, to kneel before the Lord of the universe. Heavenly Father, we ask for thy comfort and thy presence with those that have recently lost loved ones. We've heard of some this morning already. We've also heard of those that are struggling with issues of health and uh, are recuperating even at this very moment on hospital beds. We again ask for thy healing hand to be upon them, that thy presence would be with them and their loved ones, that thy healing touch would be felt. We also want to pray for those who are preaching the word perhaps in very difficult circumstances in countries or in places where thy word is forbidden, where the government and and the authorities are against the speaking and the preaching of thy word. May thy word continue to go forth anyway Heavenly Father. May it continue to overthrow the kingdoms of this world as it has done in the past and will continue to do. We pray that as We would meditate together on this word from the prophet jeremiah that we would also have a renewed appreciation for how powerful thou art and how thou wilt accomplish things according to thy will and there is nothing that men can do to stand in thy way be with us now heavenly father bless us with thy presence help us to see things clearly that our hearts may be established in thee we pray this in jesus name amen
0: Some may wonder why I'm reading from the book of Jeremiah this morning. It's Christmas time. It's the good news that Jesus came to this earth, that he was born in a manger. And the nativity scene is so pretty. But we have to remember why Jesus came. It wasn't so that we can put up nativity scenes and give gifts to our children and to one another. Jesus came, as was, we heard a couple of weeks ago, to even have a, her, the heart of her, his mother, Mary, pierced for what's going to happen to his son, to her son, Jesus Christ. The book of Jeremiah speaks to the core of human depravity. It speaks for the reason for the season. Why Jesus came is nothing else but sin. I have been looking at Jeremiah for a long time now. And I'll never exhaust it. But I spent this past week going through almost every single chapter, tabulating it in my usual spreadsheet. So it's easy for me to sort and search. And I'm not going to give you the whole 52 chapters. But I want to, in some frame, in some way, to give a, a taste for what it cost Jeremiah and what it cost God. To bring about his plan of salvation Jeremiah didn't preach too many messianic prophecies as Isaiah did but he did pre he did quote a- he did articulate a few of the messianic prophecies that even Jesus Christ himself uh, alluded to or quoted in the book of the New Testament in the Gospels. But he wasn't focusing so much on that. What he was focusing on was the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. Judah was the remaining tribe together with Benjamin around about that were not taken throughout Assyria and replaced with uh, a hybrid group of nations that mixed with the Jews and became what we know as the Samaritans 130 years later still Judah was still there and according to Jeremiah Judah had not learned the lessons of what happened to her sister, Israel. So the first thing that I would like to bring out why Jeremiah was chosen. Jeremiah was chosen to face this backsliding nation, this idolatrous nation, This adulterous nation, after seeing God's powers, after claiming to be holding to his word, and yet they didn't see how far they had slid back. It says that Jeremiah was the son of Hilkiah the priest. He was a priest and he came from the nation or from the city or town of of Anatoth, which is about three or four miles north of Jerusalem. Some of you may remember uh, Joseph, this this messianic Jew, I think he was, that used to come to our church in the old Western Road Church a long time ago. And you enter the doors and you could smell his fragrance that he put on, the aromatic fragrance that he had. And he considered himself to be a, a teacher, an iterate teacher. And he would sit in our CFGs and make comments. He made some very good comments, as a matter of fact. But I remember him. Asking, so where did Jeremiah come from? And we're standing around here listening to him. Anatoth, he came from Anatoth. I still remember that ingrained in my mind. It's a city of priests, a town of priests, where the priests probably learned. I'm not sure if it was what they call a a city of refuge or whether it was a a Levitical town. But that's where he came from. And he was raised by his father. Who was a priest. And at a very early age. He was called by God. He had actually. Gone through about 40 plus years. In his ministry. As a prophet. Not only a priest. But he became the mouthpiece of God. He became the prophet of God. A priest relays the. The. The sacrifices and the prayers to God, the prophet receives messages from God and gives it to the people. So he was a prophet and a priest. And when you look at the life of Jeremiah, you would see that he is, in very many ways, like Jesus. Jesus was a prophet, a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and a king. That was foretold in Psalm 110. He was a prophet, priest, and a king. Jeremiah was a prophet and a priest, and God told him, "Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I set you apart and ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations." But Jeremiah, as he was, a He seemed to me like a very meek, very humble man. As was Moses, when God gave him the commission of leading the people out of Israel, out of Egypt. (laughs) Moses says, I can't speak. God said, I'll solve that. I'll give you Aaron to speak for you. Jeremiah says, I'm a child. I cannot speak. I'm a child but the lord said unto me say not i am a child for thou shalt go to all that i will send you and whatsoever i command you you will speak be not afraid of their faces don't be intimidated i am with thee to deliver thee saith the lord then the lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth sounds something like isaiah when god gave coals to the angels and they put the seraphim they put it on the mouth of isaiah in the temple God gave Isaiah a message. God gave Jeremiah a message. He said, I have this day set you over the nations. You, you're you a child, but I put you over the nations, over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Before there can be a revival, a restoration to God, there's got to be a rooting out, There's got to be a destruction of the old life. There's got to be destruction of the old man. Romans 7. Romans 6 and 7. The old man has to die. You just can't patch your life with your good works and expect God to accept you. And he said, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I see a rod of an almond tree. And then the Lord said, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. I remember Brother Willie. I asked, I think he went to, uh, to Israel once and we talked about almonds and the rod of, that's what it was, the rod of Aaron budded almonds. And I asked Brother Willie, what do you think God used almonds to bud from Aaron's rod? And he said, because almonds are the first vegetation or fruit, or if you want to call it nuts, to, to bloom in Israel. They were the first things to come forth when spring was coming around. And the word almond means to hasten. It's because it hastens to get up there, to, spruit, to, to uh, sprout its shoots, and to then to bring forth its fruit. And that's what's going to happen. God said, well, I'm going to hasten what I'm going to do to this nation of Judah. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem and against the walls thereof and round about and against all the cities of Judah. Judgment was coming to Israel, to, to Judah, part of Israel. Israel in, at, at large was taken away, but Judah remained, still part of the nation of Israel. And he said, I'm going to bring judgment from the north. And we know what that is. We, see, we sing it in our Zion's harp, 255, about the captivity that the nation of Judah was taken into because of their sin. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching their wickedness, who have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. God says to to Jeremiah, I know you're a young lad, but you're going to be going out and telling this nation, even though he had already prepared a that Babylon will come and invade Jerusalem. We see the goodness and the severity of God. You remember when God told Jonah, go and preach in Nineveh? That you're done, you're finished. He didn't give him any conditions. And Jonah resistantly, reluctantly went, but he eventually got there and he preached. And they repented. And God did not destroy Nineveh. God said, I'm going to bring Babylon down to you, Nebuchadnezzar, because you're sin. There's, uh, as I was reading, I, I noticed that it uses the same term that was used in the days of Noah, that the imaginations were continually evil. They had forsaken the living God. Remember, Remember, what, remember the kings of Judah? We had this in the Bible uh, uh, studies we had. There was the good king Hezekiah, followed by was it Manasseh, and then followed by his, his son Ammon, and then followed by Josiah. Josiah was his great great grandson or great grandson. And this was the the evolution of the kings of, of Judah. A good, a bad, a bad, a good, a bad, a bad, a bad, a bad. And the kings ended with Zedekiah. It was the end of the kings when God had taken them captive to Babylon because of their sin. What was their sin? We read some of it here, but if you go and look into, further into the, uh, the book of Jeremiah, you would see that God called them adulterers. Can you imagine that you just get married and God says, I remember the kindness I showed you you are my espoused, you are my bride, I remember what happened, he said you went a whoring, you went committing adultery with every stock and stone, to the high places, to the green places, offering your your worship and your incense to these, these gods that are not gods, you've committed adultery. And then he said, you know what the law says? Deuteronomy 24. says if a man puts away his wife and she goes and marries another, she cannot come back to his first husband if her second husband divorces her. In chapter 3, he says, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man, she shall, and shall be returned unto her again, shall not the land be greatly polluted God said in Deuteronomy 24, it's an abomination, but thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. And yet, God goes against his own word. He says, yet, I've told you you can't take it back, but I'm willing to take you back. The goodness and the severity of God I'm not going to read every single excerpt, but what were the other sins that they committed? They were not providing justice to the oppressed, to the abused, to the mistreated. They were letting things go. And they had a priest. And the priest, which eventually opposed Jeremiah, That threatened him with death and jeremiah was told you're going to go to these people jeremiah was told you're going to go and god said this to him you know what they're not going to listen to you they're not going to listen to you what's the point if they're not going to listen to me why are you sending me how would you like if someone sent you on a mission and said, I'm going to send you on a mission, and you're not going to be able to do what I said what I asked you to do. What would you do? You throw your hands up in despair. This is, this is unreasonable. But yet, God, in Jeremiah's heart, Jeremiah had so much faith in God that he trusted him, like Job said, if he slays me, I will still trust God trust him so he went he didn't know what was going to happen he didn't know how it was going to happen but he said you're going to be rejected not only are you going to be rejected you're going to be mistreated jeremiah was beaten jeremiah was imprisoned jeremiah was ridiculed he was placed in stocks in front of the house of the Lord so everyone can go by him and spit at him and 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 and, and ridicule him and mock him He was rejected by his own brothers You know you, th- you think we've got a bad I think we got a really tough He had to face the king. He faced Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. God told Jeremiah, I'm going to tell you something. Every word that I give you, you're going to write it down. You're going to write it down. You're going to make a book. And now I can see why he had to write it down. Because there were times when Jeremiah was in prison. When Jeremiah was thrown into the slime pit. When he he couldn't preach, he was in in isolation, solitary confinement. And guess what? Jeremiah got a secretary named Baruch. He called Baruch, Baruch, I need your help. I'm gonna give you what the Lord has given me. You write it down. And he spent and he wrote down all the judgments that were gonna come against Israel. All the destruction that was coming if they did not repent. So when Jehoiakim hears about this, the people hear about this, they grab the scroll from, from uh, Jeremiah and Brooke, and they take it to the king. And the king reads it. He, said, ah. he cuts it up and he throws it into the fire. Would you say, that's it? I have no more to do. I preached, I wrote it down. He threw my writings away and burnt them. What am I going to do now? May as well quit. No. He said, "Brooke, come back. I'm going to redictate to you what the Lord has told me." And he wrote them out again some lessons that we need to take note of that when we feel like throwing in the towel that when we feel like giving up that when we feel like life is too difficult for us look at jeremiah look at jesus Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Jesus was known as the man of sorrows. Many today want to solve the world's problems. You know how they go about solving it? Placards, protests, demonstrations, bad-mouthing the government, creating riots. We've seen it all on Capitol Hill. We've seen it all in the states. We see it in our country. That's how we're going to heal the land, right? Do we get caught up in that? Do we get caught up? This is how we're going to this is how we're going to bring about revival. Let me ask you a question. Are they doing this to uphold God's values? or are they doing this to uphold their rights there's a big difference are they doing this to glorify God in heaven or are they doing this for their own wealth and benefit and ease and luxury do they even care about the, the poor do they even care about the widows do they even care about the sick this is this was Jeremiah's response when he saw everything that was going on when he felt the oppression he said oh that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep Day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. In his mind, it was, it was as good as done. God is going to destroy the people of Judah. He's going to bring in the hordes and the marauders. And they're going to do a lot of damage. A lot of evil things. A lot of cruel things. A lot of pain and suffering that they will bring to Jerusalem and to Judah. and he didn't yell at them he didn't criticize them he didn't he told them their sin you know Jeremiah was a very unpopular man he was a very unpopular man why? because he told them the truth he told them The truth. When Jehoiakim and and Zedekiah, the kings, called him in. To say, what has God prophesied? What are they saying for what we need to do? What's he telling you, Jeremiah? Jeremiah's response was something like, if I tell you, King Zedekiah, Will you kill me? If I tell you something you don't want to hear, will you do harm to me? Will you kill me? He was threatened many times. Are we like that sometimes? We say we believe in God until he wants me to do something which I don't feel like doing or don't want to do. And how many times have people rejected God because of that? They feel that God is there to make them feel good. God is there to make their life pleasant and remove all suffering from them. That's not God. You become God then. You tell him what to do. If that's how I feel, that's I become God. I'm telling God what to do. Remember Peter when, when Jesus meant... met met, or stopped on the way to Caesarea Philippi and he told them, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're that prophet. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Maybe they realize the, the similarities. But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ. The Son of the Living God. And Jesus said to him, Simon, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Three minutes later, well, some time later, Jesus is telling them, Now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The Son of Man must go back to Jerusalem. Must be delivered into the hands of men, into the hands of the chief priests. And must die. And Peter says, no Lord, it's not going to happen to you. No, we can't let that happen. It's not going to happen. What did Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. For you savor the things of man and not of God. The nation of Israel and Judah were savouring the things of man and not of God. When it suited them, they yeah, we can, we, we can worship God. We can, we can have the temple. Or oh, they had so much confidence in the temple. This is the temple. This is our protection. God said, there's not going to be any more temple. The, the temple's going to be burned. But back in the days of David, they had the, the Ark of the Covenant. They, they said... Bring the ark! Bring the ark! Every time the ark comes, we win. God says in Jeremiah, that ark is going to be dis- that, that ark is going to disappear where you're going. You're not going to have that ark of the covenant anymore. They trusted in the created things and not in the Creator. They trusted in His gifts but not in the Giver. Is that is that us sometimes? Do we take life very casually? Do we think as long as I come to church on Sunday, that's all that matters, I'm showing that I do care? What about the hard questions? What about when it comes time to give to the poor, to visit the sick, to pray, for those that need prayer and how many prayers do we need today we don't have any time let me ask a question if i would ask you to raise your hand who here believes that the word of god is the most important book in the in the, in the world in the bible what, what what is that the most important book in the world the bible i'm sure every one of you maybe i'm not sure Would put your hand up if i ask you how many have you read it through How many hands would go up? If I asked you, how many bestsellers have you read through? Or how many other books have you read through? How many hands would go up? How much do you love the law of God? How much do you love the word of God? I speak for myself. Jeremiah says, I weep. I cry. Because he believed the Word of God what's going to happen despite all of this and I'm not going to go through the verses I can give you copies of my notes later on if you like but God despite their actions pleaded with Israel with Judah I'll give you one uh, verse in 3 7 in 3.7 he pleads. Though they were adulterers. Though they were idolaters. God says this. And I said. After she had done all these things. Turn thou unto me. Come back. But she did not. Do you remember Hosea? God, Actually he was a. A close, not too far away from Jeremiah, in his prophecies. Remember Hosea. God said to Hosea, "Go and marry a harlot, live with her, know how I feel like." And the harlot goes away and has a few more kids with other men and comes back. And he goes looking for her in the streets, pleading. Come back to me. In front of all the Jewish people through, that would maybe mock him for doing so. This is our God. God is pleading with us today, with the unconverted. Though you've rejected me all this time, though you've pushed me aside, though you think there are more important things to do in life, You will see, just like with the Babylonians coming into Judah, the end of Judah, the end of uh, Israel, the end of Egypt, even the end of Babylon that was judged after this in the last few couple of chapters. God's wheel of justice, his millstone of justice moves very slowly but it moves sure and grinds. The other thing about Jeremiah, even though he was placed in all of this predicament, he had time to think about himself In, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. I just want to read two verses. It says, behold the noise of the brood has come and the great company commotion out of the northern country of the cities that desolate. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not a man in man that walketh to direct his steps. I know man cannot do it. I know I don't have it in me. Because in chapter 17 he writes, "The heart of man is deceitful among all things and desperately wicked." Another translation is, "The heart of man is deceitful above all things and incurable." Jeremiah felt his sinfulness before this awesome and holy and righteous God, And he says in the next verse 24, "O oh Lord, correct me, but with judgment." And in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. This man that was laying down his life, that was abused and accused and rejected and maltreated, he says, O oh Lord, correct me. The way of man is not in himself, it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O oh Lord, correct me. But with judgment, with his righteous judgment, do we come before the Lord? Does it matter to us? Does it really matter to us? Do we, do we, do we find comfort in doing what everybody else is doing? I, I'm willing to, to believe that the whole nation of Israel was saying, well, the majority is thinking this way. They can't all be wrong. And so I can be that way too. I can have my toys and I can also have God. I can have my pleasures in this world and I can also have God. How could they ever, how could they ever think that they could put up statues of their gods, of Balaam and Ashtoreth and and? and, and all the other deities they picked up and have them in the temple and have them in their homes and have them in their marketplaces and then still think that they could come and worship god on the sabbath day does it happen to us that we think we could have all the toys you know closed rooms we can watch anything we want on television we can surf to any website we want on the internet we can hang out with anyone we want because we have Liberty in Christ there's a lot of false teaching out there today just like there was in the days of 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 Jeremiah when he was preaching destruction The false prophets were coming, Hananiah, and saying, Oh, no, peace, peace. You're a liar, Jeremiah. You're a liar in front of everybody. Hananiah comes to Jeremiah when he's in front of the king with his yoke on him and saying, This is what God is going to do to the nation of Judah. He's going to come with his hordes, and he's going to take you in bondage and captivity. And Hananiah comes... Our two men smashes a yoke off his neck and breaks it. He said, ha! In two years, we're going to get rid of the Babylonians. The warnings are there. In the end, read chapter 39. In comes Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah told Zedekiah, you better... Surrender. Surrender, and nothing's going to happen to you or to your family. But instead, his counselors and his so called assistants and aides said, Jeremiah, uh, Zedekiah, let's take off. Let's escape. And so they escaped, but they got caught. And Nebuchadnezzar takes Jeremiah's sons. Uh, Zedekiah's sons he thrusts them through kills his children in front of his eyes and then that was the last thing Zedekiah ever saw he then takes probably a torch and he burns his eyes out and he takes him back to Babylon and he died in Babylon that was the last king of Israel or Judah that was it Kings of Israel had gone 130 years before. God's will of justice goes slow. And you may think, oh, it's still a new day. It's still, we've got technology, we've got other people that have different opinions. But one day, the same man that came to Judah, to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah, Jehoiakim, and Jeok- to all these kings during this time the fate waited Judah and the people and it waits us but God is just God is merciful God in his plan said there's going to be a restoration we're going to free the nation of Judah and from Babylon and I will bring you back to your land I will restore you. I will give you peace and joy if you just follow me. Can you imagine in the third year of Jehoiakim, he watches the young youth being paraded out by Nebuchadnezzar on his first visit. On his first visit, he didn't do, didn't do much destruction. He carried away some furnishings and stuff like that, but he took the eunuchs, remember Daniel? And in front of him is Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, youths that are being paraded off to, to Babylon. They were spared the destruction that occurred a few years later. And Daniel goes on and writes the, the monumental book of the prophecy of Daniel, the 12 chapters, about the coming kingdom of the coming uh, Messiah, the, the big boulder that smashed the, all the four previous kingdoms, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and and uh, me, the Romans, the four kingdoms, smashed them all to pieces. And it brought in a kingdom that was everlasting, that was righteousness. In his prophecies, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah said there's going to come a branch, a branch of righteousness from the house of David. He was the one that was born in the manger. And then we're all going to say, the Lord is our righteousness. Like it was ahead of his time that we receive righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ, not in our works which are but filthy rags. My prayer to you, my dear ones outside of Christ, is God is giving you a far better life with a promise he promised to jeremiah nothing's going to happen to you jeremiah died if you will probably in egypt they don't know he was taken to egypt and then nothing else was heard of him but he was not killed by his enemies and he was spared but he did the work of god he had a tough life he had a difficult road but oh how noble Oh, how great was his life. (coughs) You may go through life thinking, I'm going to have a life of ease. I'm going to get what I want, buy what I want, go where I want, do what I want. But in the end, what are you going to have to show for it? I plead with you with Jeremiah. (laughs) Jeremiah. shed tears from this pulpit every sunday pleading with you to come back return to the lord why will you die to him be the glory evermore we've
1: heard a great deal today about the prophet jeremiah and his difficult message to the children of god perhaps the most famous verse from this book is found in the 29th chapter, the 11th verse. It adorns coffee mugs and plaques, bumper stickers. I think it says something about our particular brand of Christianity here in the affluent West. The verse reads, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That word is an encouragement, it sounds wonderful, but when we read it in context of the book, we realize what the Lord is saying. There's difficult work for all of us. When the ship of society or the church starts to drift, starts to get off course, correction is difficult. It often requires us to realize that we've become complacent. We've let things go. We've let things slide. And we need a Jeremiah to call us back to get things right. And so it was, and I encourage you to read the entire 29th chapter to realize what the Lord was really saying in that verse. It is a wonderful verse. I don't want to seem trite about it, but you cannot pick and choose from God's word according to your liking. You have to take the whole thing the Lord told tells them there's gonna still be 70 years 70 years in a foreign land but don't worry at the end of that in the proper time you'll return to the land that I've given you but there's faithfulness required in the meantime and we forget that sometimes we we believe that the Lord's will will be accomplished we trust that it will and we think that we can just sit back then and let it happen no faithfulness is an active activity It's something that is is, uh, the fruit of constant decisions to do the right thing, to follow God's word, to put ourselves, our families in line with what God's word says. And that was the instruction to the children of Israel. Get married, have children, raise them up because in 70 years I'm going to take you back to the land. That's where the 11th verse comes through. And so we need to be faithful also in where the Lord has called us. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said, and may he dismiss us also with his blessing. This concludes our service.